Those were some old songs. I haven't heard some of those. I've never heard some of those. Hilltops of Glory, that's a crime that's not in our songbook, though. Roy Harris wrote that, and I remember as a little kid, he, he was a guy who parted his hair in the middle and it curved over at the top. And he, you ever seen a song leader who led with both hands? You ever seen somebody like that? And he did both hands and his hair would bounce up and down as he sang. And I just, he was such a fascinating, and to see him lead his own song was just fascinating. Anyway, that's just a trip down memory lane. The rest of those, I have no memory lane because I have never heard those songs before in my life. So you can't go down memory lane when you never traveled there in the first place. But uh, you can go out and you can talk to people. We learned a bunch of new songs at church today. You can do that uh, tonight. And that's a cool thing. We need to do that because those old songs, some of them need to make a comeback. And some of those were, were just sung a moment ago. Let me, uh, first of all, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm Michael Meredith did a great job. I know he did. I'm going to be watching him on YouTube uh, this week. I'm grateful that we have that. Uh, I was at um, uh, Batesville, and I, last night they... It's a homecoming, so at night, all day yesterday actually, they, put the, they get the grills going and they put the meat on all day long and they stay up with it all night long. And uh, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I, I held out till about midnight last night, and that's about as far as I can go. They had a pig grilling on a grill, and you'd open it up and he's looking at you. I'm serious about this. Uh, and, and I couldn't... I, Last night they took part of it out and let me try it, and I just and he said, "Here, try this." He was walking around just ten hours ago, and I just something wrong with that, you know. And so uh, I just kind of let the pig go, and I went with the chicken. But anyway, it was a a neat experience. And while we were sitting there, these men and a couple of twelve-year-old boys that were with their grandfathers or uncles or something, they were just talking about stuff, and and they started talking about uh, a guy named Baldridge and Ryan Altum. That's their area, and they kind of talked about these people and great stories about them, and it just kind of one of those neat things that when you're somewhere and you start hearing somebody brag about somebody who's now a Valley View member, it just makes the preacher kind of swell with pride, and I said, yeah, y'all don't have him anymore. We got him. We got them both, and uh, that was just some fun, so I like doing that. I want to say this about college meal on Tuesday. Uh, ASU is having a game Tuesday night. It's kind of a strange thing for them to do that on Tuesday, but so from four to 6.15 at our house, we're going to be any time during that time you want to come over, college students, or if you're going to the game that night and you just want to come over for some tailgating, it's available at the Furby house from 4 to 6.15. We're going to grill burgers, hot dogs, uh, have chips and Rotel and some fries and stuff. And if you just want to drop in, give me a text if you would or a call and let me know you're coming. If you're a college student, just come anyway because you always come. So uh, we're going to have some competitions, some get, some. Uh, prizes for who kick and toss and pass and punt and all that stuff and archery. We're just going to have some fun together if it's not raining, of course. But anytime between 4 and 6.15 you want to stop by, if you just want to stop and get a burger before the game, let us know you're coming. We'd love to have you for that. And I'll be sending that text out. But we're just going to make it some fun since there's an actual game that night. I want to encourage you that we're trying to put together the roster as accurate as possible for everybody's name and address and email and occupation and all that stuff. If you have not filled that in for us out there. It's out there somewhere on those tables out there. Please go and check your name. If everything's correct, just check it, and if it's not, correct it. We want to have an accurate uh, 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 listing of names and stuff, and you're going to get that, a copy of that updated. We need it updated very badly. 
October 28th, remember this, on a Sunday night, we're going to split up and go to different places, but we need men to lead those devotionals and lead the singing. Some of them are filled already. Some of them are not. You men, don't sit there and say, well, I hope somebody does it. You be one of them that goes out there and you leave right after the service and go to those pages on that table out there and you sign that list. I'm going to go over to NEA, to, to the hospital, to where their chapel is, and I want to lead the devotional that night. They're going to send around a message to everybody who's in the hospital. There's a service provided for anybody who's here or a family member who's here, and it's going to be Valley View Church of Christ conducting it, and somebody needs to ma- give them a message and sing with them. So somebody do that. Sign that up for me, would you? Just sign your name to it and say, I'm going to lead that devotional or whatever, right? All right, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they're going to be satisfied. This isn't necessarily a sermon tonight. This is thoughts as they're in progress. As I read this, this is, this is the difference between a kingdom person, a person who is a citizen of the kingdom of God primarily over anything else, the difference between them and a person who's just a casual believer. A kingdom person craves righteousness. They long for it. Their mouth waters to always be right with God and do things that increase their knowledge of God and their experience with God. Let me ask you just to ask yourself this. I don't want a show of hands, but how many of you would say that you actually do crave, crave getting to know God more deeply all the time? You want to take advantage of every opportunity. You see, here's one of the things that draws me to this passage is we've reached a time where we, we beg people, please come back on Sunday night, and please come back on Wednesday night. And we, we want to keep harping about this sometimes. And I wonder, why don't people crave righteousness so much that they want to come back? Why do I feel like I'm trying to give them arguments for why they should? Why do I feel like I'm begging them to come back and do something that's going to make them more righteous? Why are we begging people and longing for people to find it important enough to come back? Why are we begging? Why aren't they saying, I want to? There's nothing else I can do other than this on Sunday night that will make me closer to being like God. And because I've got a craving, a hunger, and a thirst for it, I want to. Why isn't that the case? And it's never that way for everybody all the time. What is it to crave something? Pregnant lady craves pickles. That's not really true. Jonna told me when she was pregnant, she craved Taco Bell. And she made Tyler go get Taco Bell. She hates Taco Bell before pregnancy and after. But during pregnancy, she just wanted Taco Bell. How weird is that? I remember going to Albania for the first time. I was going away for like eight or ten days. It was actually 12 days that I was gone. And when I got back, all I wanted, the only thing I wanted, get to the airport, get me to a McDonald's. I want a Big Mac and a Dr. Pepper right now. And nothing else will satisfy. It was a craving a longing for something and nothing else was going to work. I would have paid 20 bucks for a big man. I didn't have to, but I would have. People crave experiences. People crave 
going to Alaska? Why are the things that are in your bucket list in there? Why is it that Alaska is where I want to go, but the Taj Mahal holds no interest to me? There's a reason somehow that Alaska's captured my imagination and the Taj Mahal has no interest to me at all. Why is that what's in my bucket list? Why is this? Advertisers prey on us this way. They try to create a hunger in us. And I, wanna, I just want to describe some characteristics of a craving. And no, notice this. One of the things a kingdom person has is a craving to be right with God and do things that are right with God and make us closer to Him. And we'll do whatever it takes to do it. Number one is... A true craving is not something you're forced to have. It has you. It just grabs you. How many of you absolutely love chocolate? Do you remember anybody making you eat it? Do you remember anyone making you like it? I don't remember a day in my life not liking chocolate. It didn't ha- I didn't have to make myself, I didn't have to train myself, I didn't have to lecture myself, and nobody said, you need to like chocolate, boy. No, I remember the first time I ate it, that was it. Boom. Suddenly, the delight that it created was something I'll associate with chocolate the rest of my life, and you don't have to force me to eat a Snickers. I'll eat one almost any time. I have to force myself not to. It's like it's something that has you, and you desire it. However, you can train yourself to do this, too. In Lions Club in Kennett, I was at the heart attack table. Everybody I sat at the table with had a heart attack at some point in time in the last 10 years. And it was a food bar. It was the only food bar in all of Kennett. It had everything you could imagine there, healthy and unhealthy. And it had greens, which I would never touch ever in my life. It had broccoli. It had Brussels sprouts. It had beets. Every nasty thing every kid can ever imagine having a nightmare about was on that table. And you know what these heart attack people did? They ate that stuff. Now, they killed it. They put that hot sauce on that green to give it some other flavor other than what God gave it. We've got to do something to it to doctor it up to eat it. But as I was sitting at that table, they would look at me and say, you're young right now, but you better get used to this. Either to keep from having a heart attack or after you have your heart attack, you're going to need to eat this stuff. And I went up there and I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. I started eating all that stuff, and I figured out how to doctor it up and how to, to put this on it and that on it. You know what? I started, I kind of like Brussels sprouts. Now, you can train yourself to like something. I remember when my dad came up uh, one time, and we were eating at my house, and we served broccoli, and we served Brussels sprouts and one other thing, and he said, what is wrong with you? I don't remember you ever liking any of this. Well, I'm kind of trained myself. You can train yourself to crave that stuff. It takes some work, but most cravings just grab a hold of you. It's like Psalm 51. Blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. He's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bring forth his fruit in season, his leaf will not wither. He delights in that law. Does that sound like you? A true craving, secondly, is exclusive. Only one thing matters, and only one thing satisfies. If you want a Mountain Dew, you want a Mountain Dew, and a mellow yellow just won't cut it. They can try to offer you these generic substitutes, but it just doesn't satisfy. And I remember when schools went through that silly health kick, let's get rid of the candy bars and put 
apples instead. Yeah, they just snacked up all those apples, didn't they? No, they went and got their own. So when you have a sweet tooth, when you have a sweet tooth and the only thing you can think of for it is chocolate, you can hand me banana pudding, but it just isn't going to work. There's only one thing that satisfies with this, and I've got to have this. And you want it so badly, you keep thinking you'll find it. You ever find yourself keep looking at the refrigerator over and over again as if something climbed in there since the last time you looked in there? You ever do this? You keep going back thinking, surely I'll rearrange some stuff and find some of what I'm looking for. And you never do find it. 30 seconds later, you're back looking again, and the same stuff's there. Nothing's been added. You're looking for something, and that craving, that thing that you want, the only thing that satisfies is not there. Forget it. It's not there. Go to the store. Cut the losses. Get in the car. It's exclusive. Only this thing will work. If it's chocolate on your mind and on your heart and on your tooth, nothing else will work. Do we ever get that way with righteousness? Do we ever think the only thing that will work? Well, here's how the psalmist says it. We sing it as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. You know what the next verse is? I long to meet with my Lord. You ever had one of those moments when the only thing that will satisfy is some time with God and you just can't wait? And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the corporate worship symbol. You just have to get home and you have to have some quiet time or else you're going to go crazy because the only thing that satisfies is some time with God, so deeply knowing and being aware. Have you ever had moments like that? The psalmist does and he describes it. And those who, well, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, sometimes the only thing that will work is some, some time with the Lord together. Once a true craving is satisfied, other things then can fall into place. It becomes a priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of, of God and all this righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. How many of you have this, and this passes through on Facebook every once in a while, don't talk to me until I've had my morning coffee? Anybody, anybody like this? Until you've had that craving for that coffee in the morning, you'd best just avoid me, right? Because until this craving is satisfied... I'm going to snap your head off if you talk to me. How many are like that? How many are married to somebody like that? You can answer better. Yeah, okay, that's better. That's a better way to answer. It's like, it's, it's like everything else has to, I just have to figure this out before I can think of anything else. And Jesus said the same thing. Once you have the righteousness of God figured out and all these other things fall into place. Finally, here's the thing. A, a true craving is something you'll sacrifice for. Cardinal fans know this well. You go to the Bush Stadium and you pay for parking and you pay for your ticket and you go in and you pay for your meal. And suddenly when you get home and you look at the credit card bill, man, you spent a good chunk of change. That's your craving. You love the Cardinals and so one trip to the Cardinal game and you look like, look at how much, but that's okay. That's the sacrifice you make for your craving. And for the person who craves God, they're willing to sacrifice. You mean I got to get up early in the morning? If that's, if that's what it takes to know God, I'll do this. If that's what he asks of me. You mean I got to stay, got to go up that church building again on Sunday night? Well, if, if you don't have a better thing going on Sunday night to produce more righteousness in you than this, it seems to me the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be here. And you'll pay that cost. 
It's amazing to me these people that, that, that they major in the baseball and used to be when baseball had a season. Do you remember when you had a season of baseball? Now it's a year of baseball, right? And you go traveling and the money you invest in camps to get the skills down and the equipment to play and the weekend away, the money, the, the hotels and the food, and we'll do whatever it takes to get better at baseball and there's nothing wrong with that. So don't leave here thinking I'm trying to make you feel guilty. But then, but then when it goes to a youth trip, the church needs to pay this for me because it's a church trip. Oh, Whoa, 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 just a minute. You'll pay hundreds to improve the baseball skills. But don't ask me to give $30 for a youth retreat. Our kids will recognize that and they'll say some things are worth it and some things aren't. And they'll figure out what the things that aren't are. Be real careful with this because we've got to be willing to put our money where our, our mouth is when it comes to our cravings. But here's the question, it seems to me, of the, of the time for this, is how do you create a craving? How can we train ourselves to hunger and thirst for righteousness. For those of you who raised in the church, I'm going to tell you how it came because I'm basically raised in the church. But I'm, uh, what I'm asking is, there are people running around in the world living any way they want to, and we're going to them saying, you know what, you should value righteousness. We want you to embrace Christ. We want you to be converted and come to the truth of the gospel. We want you to, to embrace this. We want you to crave righteousness. How do we train a person who's lived their entire life training themselves to crave the worldly, suddenly find themselves able to hunger and thirst for righteousness instead. It's a great challenge for the church. I don't know how we do this. Started examining myself though. Here's how my craving started. And I was raised this way. First of all, you have a positive history with it. You have a positive history. I associate Olive Garden with the end of every family vacation. No matter where we went as a family, we always ended coming back toward Kennedy or now Jonesboro, and we stop at the nearest, which is one here now, we stopped at the nearest Olive Garden, and we just kind of rehashed the whole vacation before it ended. And those wonderful feel. and besides, you're all family there when you're there, right? You're, you're all family. And we review that and those good feelings of being together as a family and knowing it's almost over, <laughs> too. That's, that's a good feeling, too. Some people go to the beach all, every year, and they go to the beach, and because they associate the beach with so many great family memories, they go there. Or you could be like the Fitz who just go to Disney about eight times a year. And, and you, just, you just go, and, and you associate that with such good feelings. You have a great history with it, and it creates this craving, this hunger and thirst for it. And I can remember growing up, being part of the church. My memory is full of church activities. Is yours? The church in Fredertown where I grew up, they had a, a ditch that ran by the church that was underground in concrete where the water poured out. And when the water when it wasn't raining, you could go a mile up that thing. I don't know what they call that thing, but every time I go back, I look at that and remember running all the way up and down that thing and associating that with the church. And, the, and just like you have this crate up here for young people, they had the yellow stool for me where I would stand up there. All these wonderful feelings of grandmother teaching on the flannel graph. Anybody remember a flannel graph? We didn't have the fancy stuff y'all do, but man, it became as real as what you see. It became as real as what you see with those silly-looking flannel things that 
I don't even know where they are anymore. All those memories flood and all those potlucks we used to have. All that stuff. And my parents made sure that my memories are full of church stuff. And you probably remember this. What happens to a person, though, when they didn't have a childhood like that? You have to go to some measure, some, some effort. And I'm going to tell you as parents what you need to do. If you want your kids to stick with it, there's got to be a glue of emotion that comes from childhood that you associate the spiritual things of their lives as being fun and wonderful. And that's why the opportunities are galore here at Valley View. And I hope they're always that way. You've got church camp you can send your kids to that's all Valley View. You can go to this family encampment here in a couple weeks at Wildwood. And you can constantly have all these things that your kids associate. When we went to church, we had fun. Now, it's not just fun, but it is fun. And you have the candy man. Somebody needs to be the candy man at Valley View. I don't know who it is. Somebody needs to come in here with Tootsie Rolls every Sunday and hand them out to kids and make the parents mad and make them all energetic to where nobody can settle them down in worship. That's okay. They need the, they need the candy guy. And you need somebody who's going to, you know, somebody who when Grandparents' Day comes in and all the grandparents live far off, those kids need to come into the church building and pick a certain couple of the church to be the grandparents as a substitute. That needs to be the church provider that make sure that you provide your kids with a childhood full of memories and if you miss that and your kids are grown start creating some for yourself even right now it's never too late and there's every kind of thing at Valley View you can imagine and if you constantly turn down the opportunities that are presented here you are hurting yourself and you are hurting your faith and you are passing up an opportunity you're passing up an opportunity to train yourself to hunger and thirst for righteousness there's plenty to do here get involved and do it and participate and if you don't go go crying to God that it wasn't there and I hope it becomes a wonderful experience that you love a second thing is we recognize that you have a need for it this is kind of how addictions work. You know, they kind of start with, I have a craving for something. And maybe you start smoking and suddenly there's an addictive element to it that keeps you going in this. Some of you will probably get a headache if you tried to give up caffeine right now. I was asking Paul about this and he says, you need to go to funerals. I remember a semester at Harding where I had to go to every funeral that was held by the local funeral home. Talk about long. Everybody died that year. Went to funeral galore. If it's been a while since you've been to a funeral, you need to go to one. Kind of reminds you life doesn't last forever, and your busyness that keeps you so busy and so preoccupied with the here and now in front of your face, a funeral will correct some of that. I like his point. There's this thing called pica, an irrational craving for non-food items. Often happens during pregnancy. I'm reading off the internet here. They don't know why this happens, but some people suggest that when you get low on iron, your body makes you crave things that it knows has it. This is weird. And so people will look at dirt, and their mouths will water, and they want to eat it. I know you think that doesn't happen. It, it does. But what gets worse is when they start looking at paint chips and plaster, ashes, clay, chalk, Laundry starch, soap, toilet paper, toothpaste. And the only way you can explain this, scientists say, is your body knows you need something that's in that and it makes you crave it because you need it. 
I want you to know you need righteousness. You'll never see the Lord if you don't achieve or strive for holiness. You need what the church has to offer. You stand in need of so many things. And what God wants to know is that you understand this. And because of that, you train yourself to crave righteousness. Because you know it's better for you than the alternative. We set our hearts on it. That's one of our memory verses. Remember from Colossians chapter 2. Set your heart on things above. Your heart doesn't come from God in creation into this world already set on heaven. It's not. You've got to train yourself to set it on heaven. And so you read about things. You read about Alaska. It makes you want to go. You read about that fancy new car. It makes you want to go buy one. Read about heaven Read about righteousness and the kind of life where you go to bed every night with a peaceful mind and God blesses you with it and long for that. And then you make yourself have a habit of it. Habit is powerful and when you come week in, week out, suddenly it becomes something you look forward to and it becomes part of your background. A few years ago, September 11th happened. A year later, all the Scholastic offered a challenge for young people to write a book about September 11th, and the group and, and Kennett were, were the ones chosen for that year's book, and it was published, made a big deal. It's called September 12th, I Knew Everything Would Be Okay. And here's the interesting thing. Each student in that, that second-grade classroom wrote a page. Here's how I know everything's going to be okay. And it was the daily mundane things. My mom put me to bed. She read me a book like she does every other night. She helped me pick out my clothes in the morning just like she does every other morning. What gives comfort to young people is the habits of each day. And they pile up day after day after day and they find comfort in their routine. And you need to make the spiritual a routine part of your life and you invest in it. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how we can train people to want spiritual things what we can do that will cause people to have this deep hunger and thirst to be right with God and do whatever it takes to get closer to him it's a challenge but ask yourself this why are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness what causes you to do whatever it takes to be here on Sunday night to go to the trouble of being here on Sunday morning to pick up that scripture during the day and read more of it and to pray to God. What causes you to want that? Because that's what we're striving to get other people to do. And sometimes you have to train yourself because you don't always want to do the things you need to do. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. God will see to it. In this life, a little. And in the next life, in completion. I hope you're hungry. I hope you're thirsty. I hope you so long for what God wants to give you that you'll turn down what the world does. I hope that you will sacrifice to do the things that are right for you, the things that are best for you spiritually, rather than the things that will feed you and your sinful self. Let us be a people who strive to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. That as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul will pant after God because only he can provide what we need.
Ask yourself that question. Kind of gauge your hunger and thirst. And if there's anyone here who doesn't hunger and thirst for righteousness because you've never been born again spiritually at all, how can you hunger for that which you're not capable of having? You can read about it and know about it, but maybe you're not equipped to handle that because you've never turned your life over to God and submitted to Him. This evening, that opportunity is available to you to walk and start this walk of a spiritual life by being born of the Spirit. This evening, if that's a need you have, make it known as we stand and as we sing.